Hey, it's Heidi Rain. Welcome back for another episode of Addiction and Codependency Breakthrough. Oh, I'm so glad that you're here. I'm kicking off a brand new series uh, based upon the work that I've done with my attachment, codependent attachment personality patterns. What those are is a unique set of behaviors and ways that you act and adopt in order to survive, thrive, connect, or cope in a dysfunctional, addicted relationship. So over here, we have an addict or an alcoholic, and over here, there are eight different flavors of codependency that I have come up with. And I had like come up with these patterns, well, years and years and decades of research and practice and learning and then having uh, experiences with people when I worked inside of the world's leading drug and alcohol treatment centers for almost a decade. And what I saw was everybody that was in a relationship that was impacted by another's addiction was acting acting this codependent dance. That's just their steps were a little different. Everybody has their own steps. One was doing the salsa, one's doing a little hip hop. Everybody's, you know, dancing a little different with their alcoholic. And so the goal is to help you understand the dance you're doing. And if it's not working for you anymore, how to stop that dance. And so the first step for you is to go over to HeidiRain.com. I've created a personality pattern test over there where you can see the type of pattern you're enacting. Now, if you've already taken that test and now you're getting more information about how these patterns interact with addiction, uh, then today we're going to talk about the withholder pattern, the withholding codependent and an addict. And we're going to talk about how this pattern looks specific to addiction. What kind of dance are you and your partner likely doing together? I'm going to do my best job to describe it today. Now, if I do describe it today and you decide, oh my God, she's got my number, <laughs> you know, she's singing my song. She knows the song I'm dancing to. And you want to break free from that pattern. I've created a, a different types of groups, small coaching containers where I give you semi-private coaching to help you break free from those patterns once and for all to know exactly what to do. If you want to know more about how I can support you on the journey, go over to HeidiRain.com and fill out an, uh, a request for more information over there under our semi-private coaching. Let's get into it. Withholders have these five different criteria, these different ways that they show up. And so I'm going to riff on the criteria and then tell you how it's specific to addiction. First thing that is hard for a withholder is vulnerability. Now, it's not that you're not a vulnerable person. You, withholders are extremely sensitive people, but they became a withholder because they learned early on in their lives that sensitivity just wasn't an option. You might've gotten told as a young one, hey, you're too sensitive, you feel too much, you, you know, you're overreacting, you're dramatic. And so you decided at some point in your life that it would just be easier to lock it all up and put it on lockdown. And because vulnerability is hard for you in relationships, you tend to pick people who it's very difficult to be vulnerable with. And one, now look, I'm not, oh my gosh, what am I saying here? Am I saying that you became this way, unwilling to be unvulnerable because of this relationship you're in with an addict or alcoholic, that's probably what you're thinking. Well, I started out willing to be vulnerable, but they keep hurting me. So now I, I, do, I keep everything to myself because what's the point? I'm here to tell you it's the chicken or the egg conversation. And your withholding was probably a pattern long before you got involved in this relationship and partly, likely, why you chose this person in the first place. There was an element of this person being a little closed off from you and that attracted to you because 
you thought to yourself, well, there's no risk of this person wanting me to be too vulnerable. So I can keep a safe distance. I can maintain this no vulnerability and, um, you know, be okay because the expectation is so low, but we can't get too close. You can't get too close to somebody that's not home mentally. And there's an element of safety in that for you, you know? So vulnerability, it, vulnerability requires an immense amount of safety. Without safety in a relationship, there is no vulnerability. And without sobriety in a relationship, there is no safety. So you can see you've created a little riddle for yourself, right? You're not able to be vulnerable because you don't feel safe and you don't feel safe because there's no sobriety. So a way out of that is to recognize, well, you know, it's starting to bother me, this lack of vulnerability. I would love to have somebody that I could actually pour my heart out to and have a safe space and feel supported and seen and valued and respected and and be able to have a safe place just to be myself, just to be all of who I am. But But you know, this person isn't it. Well, the first step in recognizing that maybe you would like things to change for yourself is a really good place to begin. That maybe this withholding isn't working for you anymore. That maybe it's your time to actually let somebody in and start to share your life. Another thing that withholders, there are five criteria, by the way, for each of these patterns I've come up with as like diagnostic criteria, even though when I say diagnostic criteria, you might be thinking, oh my gosh, she's, you know, diagnosing me. This is a pathology. This is a sickness. It's really not. It's a pattern and patterns can be broken. Patterns are not pathology. And just, I want to say, as I'm going through this to know that as a withholder, you learn this by default. You weren't born like an Alcatraz. You became an Alcatraz to protect yourself along the way for damn good reason. You probably grew up really fast and really tough. You probably had a very difficult upbringing where survival depended upon your ability to kind of shut it down. The next thing that withholders do when they're in any kind of relationship, when they feel like they're getting too close, is they create distance in that relationship. And how they create distance is they pull back, they pull away, they will create a story in their mind about why they don't like the person or why this person really isn't for them. They'll find a way to just attach a little less to the person they're with so that they can maintain a safe level of attachment where there's no real fear of being rejected because underneath of it, the withholder deeply fears rejection. Of course, that's very hard for them to admit themselves because they pretend like they don't care what the hell you think, but a withholder cares deeply what you think, so much so that they keep away so you can't think too much, right? So why do they get in a relationship with an addict and alcoholic? Because a withholder has to do so much less work with somebody like this because the distancing is built into the relationship. A withholder's biggest fear is actually getting in a relationship with somebody that is wants to maintain that intimacy and closeness all the time. So they pick somebody who is always creating a cavern between you two. It's just easier for you um, to, to create a safe distance because they're constantly fucking up, right? So it's like, instead of you having to be the one to pull back and you having to be the one to create the distance, you're doing it for a good reason. Well, I'm pulling back because you're acting crazy. I'm pulling back because you relapsed. I'm pulling back because now you have a reason. Withholders will withhold affection, attention, approval, just naturally anyway, they, they withhold because again, there's this element of like, I don't want to give too much of myself to anybody. 
but they also use it in a relationship with an average alcoholic. They'll withhold intimacy and sex or approval to wait to make sure that you're going to do well. The, the addict or alcoholic is going to do well enough and they can earn the right to have their intimacy back. Now, is that a problem? Like, oh, is that something wrong with you that you're doing that? No, it's just a strategy and it's not the best strategy because it's manipulation, right? It's like, I'm going to, it's, it's manipulating somebody instead of having a boundary. I'm not having sex with you because I don't want to, I'm not having sex with you because I want you to change. And then I'll have sex with you. Now, these are two very different things. One involves a level of vulnerability in yourself, being able to share with your partner. And the other one is just, you know, you trying to use a carrot or a stick, you know, uh, to try to motivate somebody to, to change their ways. And this is leading me to another one of the diagnostic criteria for the pattern is poor boundaries around sex. Many times withholders feel in a, an addicted relationship extremely uh, disrespected, devalued as anybody would, but instead of actually having an intimacy or a deep connection or conversation, they violate their own boundaries around sex sometimes too, where they will not just withhold sex as a weapon, but they'll give into sex too. They'll give into it and have sex just because they feel like, well, I'll just shut them up or make it go away. And um, because I want to protect myself. So I'll just do this so we can, you know, end this conversation and get it over with, you know, a withholder is not just withholding from other people. You're withholding from yourself. There's an element of self-betrayal. There's an element of you withholding your own basic needs from yourself to be seen, to be valued, to be heard, to be understood. And one of the hallmarks of a withholder personality is you can only go so long, can't you, until you're about to blow up, right? So you will do everything in your power to keep their, your emotions under lock or, you know, kind of be like a steady Eddie or, or you know be be reserved this way but we both know that it's only a matter of time before stuff shit starts to hit the, fan, hit the fan right and you start blowing up and so this binge restrict cycle manifests many ways in relationships where emotionally you can be on lockdown and then all of a sudden you explode and you unleash everything you've ever thought and felt and even though these things are true the addict or alcoholic looks at you like it's coming out of left field well i didn't know this was a problem and you never told me this was an issue etc cetera, etc cetera. or there's a binge restrict where in your relationship dynamic period where you are in love everything is great and they they're a binge user and they enact that binge restrict cycle with you and you get to enact that with them because when things are really great they're really great you guys are all in but when it's a shit show it's a shit show right so you have this element of a roller coaster with a withholder it's very all or nothing it's very black or white thinking and so how do you start to heal from this? If, you, if I'm singing your song, you're seeing your dance steps, you're like, oh my God, this is me in this dynamic. What do I do now? Well, the next step after awareness is to start to do something about it. You know, awareness and education are great. That's why I put out so many videos and so much resources for you to be able to learn about your patterning. And But, but you know, information without application just kind of sits there, doesn't it? I mean, does it does it ever make any real change? I want to equip you so that you can learn this, but then walk it into your life. So if you're recognizing some of these patterns that you have as a withholder and you think, man, I, I wonder what it would be like on the other side of that. Yeah, it's probably scary to think, 
wow, I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to open up. I'm going to start sharing how I'm feeling and what I'm thinking. I'm going to, you know, open up. I mean, that's just it right there. It can be really scary, but I promise you all of the good things in life that you want on the other side of that to really be seen, to really be valued, to really be respected, to really be cherished and treasured. All of the things that you're looking for and deserve, by the way, PS, right? are waiting for you on the other side of that opening. You don't have to be wide open, right? We have to fillet you, okay? And cut you wide open. But what we wanna do is just open a little bit to let some light in and, and start to minister to that place inside of you that is ready for that change. And that happens by you being vulnerable enough to come into one of my private containers. It's like a little vault where it's a very small group of people where we do this semi-private um, coaching where I'm able to just see you and be with you in this private space where you can hear this on the podcast. You know, you're on your walk, you're doing the dishes or you're watching YouTube and you're, and you're learning. But I'm, I want to tell you, I want to do more for you. I want to do more for you. I want to help you transform into your most authentic self pre-programming before you had to become a withholder in the first place. I wonder what that would be like to excavate that where you could speak your truth and not feel bad about it, where you could have your emotions and not feel like you're up and down all over the place, where you could be steady and consistent. I want that for you. The next step, if you're curious about that, is to go over to HeidiRain.com and fill out a questionnaire or request for more information. And then I'll send you a private video that's going to talk more in detail about the groups and how they work. All right. I love you so much. Take excellent care and I'll see you really soon. Bye.